correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve, over there. And I'm Steve. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Uh, who'd, who'd ever guess? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh my... All right, well, let's uh, let's kick things off with our D20 Network Spotlight, another podcast here on the D20 Network. Who are we uh, shouting out today, Steve? Werewolf the Podcast. Hey, and you even got it right this time. I know. (laughs) Yeah, Werewolf the Podcast, another show here on D20 Radio Network, hosted by Josh Heath, who we've had on the show a couple of times. It is a retrospective podcast about... Werewolf the Apocalypse, as you just might guess from the name. I do not honestly know if he started covering any of the new werewolf releases, but I can tell you what I've listened to the show. It is very in-depth, and they are very, very knowledgeable about the game. And they also do a lot of stuff, you know, uh, just, you know, like they'll take a whole episode and just talk about one specific book. And kind of like, you know, how you can do things with it and so on and so forth. But they've also been doing some actual plays. And uh, like I said, it's it's a really, really good show. So if you're at all interested in the werewolf role-playing game, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, cool stuff happening over there. Mm-hmm. Well, you sort of brought up our topic for tonight. Why don't you pitch it to the audience? Okay. Well, in the past, we have uh, kind of tried to do horror spooky month themes for October. And um, I realized that now that it's November that we did not do that this year. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about some, some spooky things. Some, yes. But I thought, well, two things happened. One, I was, oh, I don't know, bored, if you will, at work today. And, and so I you know, clicked on some YouTube stuff to listen to and... I came across an episode from How to Be a Great GM and opinions on that creator being what they, yours or anyone else's may be. Yeah, look, not everything he says is great, but at times I feel like he brings up some really cool points. And he had this uh, about a 15 minute episode that was kind of just a rant about undead. And I thought, hey, this could make for kind of an interesting show topic because kind of the whole thrust of his his point in this whole thing was, look, make them more interesting just by thinking a little bit. And I feel like that's a lot of what we do or try to encourage people to do, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of his content, but I'm not going to argue that this particular thing is is not a very well thought out and, and well expressed rant. and the the fact of it is is i do kind of agree with him that i agree with the idea of what he's saying even though i may not agree with all the words right Mm -hmm. i agree with the idea of make your bad guys 
something and not just a bump in the road, or at least give them some kind of substance. Mm -hmm. So he start things off. He sort of qualms about the, the standard use of undead and media and that there's certain things that don't make sense and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I agree. And I disagree. You know, there's, yeah, I agree that it doesn't make any sense that a zombie would smell somebody because they don't breathe. But it, I don't think that's the point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I think, like, I, I get what he was saying, you know, about, you know, they don't breathe. So is it magic of some kind? Right. Or, but I feel like kind of in a lot of ways, what he was saying was like, even your little throwaway minions, they're people, too. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's important. <laughs> I think. Well, yeah, I think, you know, like and some of what he was talking about, right, is, you know, for zombies in particular. OK, so they're they're mindless creatures, whatever. But undead in general are often, for the most part, your skeletons, your zombies, you know, all your low level undead that are very, very popular for any early adventuring, any GM who's got a very new adventuring party. Right. They're they're good fodder. but. What are they there for? You know, like what is like? Are they just hanging out in the dungeon or the the, the caves, the tombs that your party went to? Well, they somebody put them there for a reason. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So there's a reason they're hiding out there. Right. So, and if they're you know, let's just say they're hiding out there. Well, if they're hiding hiding out there, they're obviously smart enough to know that they need to hide out. Mm -hmm. And if they're just stationed there, then there has to be like some directive as to what it is that they're supposed to do. Like, are they just supposed to attack any intruders? And like, who goes to the trouble of raising an undead army as a security system for what? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I have always, I use undead in a different way, though. I've always mm -hmm. thought of I've I've always thought of my undead as like if you raise an undead army and then wander off too far from them, what happens? They just sort of end up lost. Mm -hmm. Like they're not the smartest creatures. We've known this. I mean, in most zombie or undead media, even skeletons, they just sort of are like mindless wandering creatures. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I've used undead, that's how I sort of use them as a mindless wandering creature. Maybe not an alarm system, mm -hmm. but maybe more so of like, there are a handful of these guys here in this location because there were a handful of these guys that got left behind the last time the Lich passed through, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I get where that's coming from. And I, I, I guess my biggest problem that I do personally is that I don't express in any sort of way why there are undead in a location, which is a fault. I mean, it is a fault of mine, but mm -hmm. I usually just am like, okay, here's a handful of zombies. Um, why are there zombies here? Well, you stumbled across to, you know, if the question is why, then the answer, then I have an answer. But if nobody ever questions why, there's no reason to explain the situation. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's maybe a fault on both my end and the player's end is that on my end, I should maybe be more proactive at explaining that, oh, well, you're in a, a cursed graveyard, mm -hmm. right? 
pet cemetery kind of situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you're in a this kind of location. But I think it goes to a wider it goes to a wider idea that your minions in your adventures should have purpose for being there. Mm-hmm. And I think in in what I'll refer to as D&D-esque fantasy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Dungeons and Dragons. It's other things that do fantasy in this way. Your minions that you pick for the locations, at least in my in my cases, are picked because they could be a challenge and not so much because they thematically fit to the location. And I think, I hate to say that, but part of it is because of the culture and the game that Dungeons and Dragons wants you to run. Mm-hmm. Right. So in Dungeons and Dragons, you're very much encouraged to run bigger, more powerful monsters and more of them at a frequent pace. Right. Mm-hmm. As the characters become more powerful, you have to up the ante. Running a handful of zombies against a 10th level group is going to be about pointless because they're going to mow through them like it is nothing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're planning on running 150 of them. Mm-hmm. In which case, that might put up some kind of of problem. But for the most part, that party is going to roll through anything that is less than, you know, 10th level. You, you need to throw at least CR9 for them to feel anything. Mm-hmm. And zombies are like CR a quarter. <laughs> right, right. Well, okay. But, and and this also, because, you know, I put on YouTube and it just skipped around from video to video. He also, another video of his that came up and what it was skipping to was him talking about, it, it was supposed to be about how to end your campaign. Mm-hmm. But he started talking about what he calls the web of the campaign. And to me, this all ties into kind of what he's talking about with, with you know, in this case, undead or any sort of kind of minion-y type things. And he said, so you look back in your notes and, oh, their, you know, second adventure, they went and did something with, you know, a bunch of little whatever that weren't, aren't really a challenge anymore. Somehow you get them back to where that was and where there was, you know, five skeletons and two zombies. Now there's... 500 skeletons and 200 zombies. And he also, he mentioned something and not expressly, but that you say a lot is at that point, your party starts going, why the hell are all these here? Yeah. Yeah. And they start making stuff up, which you can just then take and run with and how to tie it into your main game. But it creates kind of this neat, you know, loop callback thing. And it's in a way it's, it's, mining your players for the reason you did it, which is kind of weird, kind of cheating, but also very effective. And I think, you know, that's the other thing you can do with these minions, right? Is, is use them, keep track of what you did and maybe, you know, have a couple potential reasons in mind. You don't even have to let your players in on it initially, but maybe, you know, some sort of callback at some point, and then they say something and you mix that up with something you kind of already had jotted down from whatever or whatnot. And now you can tie this all into like the grand scheme of, well, the necromancer is actually working on, on something in the employ of whoever your big bad is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like you can just, instead of just thinking of them as throwaway obstacles, you know, think about their purpose about, 
maybe mid-campaign, it's a little hard to kind of change how you run them. Right. But, okay, thought that kind of hit me here, right? So what I was talking about, so the, the, the necromancer who's making these undead or whatever is working for someone. Maybe he's doing research on how to improve undead. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing that says anywhere in any book that you have to use things exactly as they're written. Oh, no. So now, now he's making super skeletons, but who's he making super skeletons for and what are they up to? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's an interesting concept. Building to something is, is important. Um, like I said, I agree with the, the uh, ideas of what he was saying, but I disagree with the, the way he was saying it in a lot of ways. Fair. I just feel like, like so often, and I know I've done this, you just grab something to be an obstacle for your players. And it could be kobolds or goblins, right? It doesn't have to be undead. Undead just kind of fits the spooky, you know, it was yesterday it was Halloween. So the, that's in my head a little bit still, right? Um, but, but yeah, the, there is a reason, or there should be a reason for them existing. There should be some form of logic behind their behavior, or if there's not, in the case of, you know, the classic undead tropes, specifically skeletons and zombies, they're either going to swarm the closest opponent or the last one that hurt them significantly, which you're a higher level group, right? It's that, that, and no, the mechanics of D&D don't necessarily support this, but if you know, they get your, whoever's up close gets swarmed. Mm -hmm. That's a problem for them to deal with or could be just by proximity, right? They're Mm -hmm. not getting hurt real bad, but they're surrounded. Well, now can your healer, can, can someone get there to support them or yes. And this is, I think too, where you start to play with your timing, right? You don't have play it out round by round by round. If you've got one player overrun by a swarm. I think at that point you make it some sort of like skill challenge thing to get through them instead of actual swing by swing combat. Yeah, that's right. probably what, if your fighter's the one who's being swarmed, that's what they're going to do. They're just going to be hacking and, and whatever away. But then you make it some sort of skill challenge to where how are the other characters going to try and get them unswarmed? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I know exactly what you mean. How are you how are you going to diplomacy this situation as well? <laughs> well, diplomacy, I I guess to a certain extent, maybe what I'm trying to say is sometimes make the combat not a combat. Right. It's a combat scene, but you don't necessarily have to just make combat roles in the scene. I think I think we need to have a broader conversation about being okay with talking yourself out of a situation. Well, I mean, that's what we do here. Well, (laughs) but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the thing that's amazed my players the most playing with me, especially my D and D players who aren't, and I'm not saying this to be rude, but half of that group isn't experienced tabletop RPGs players. And the other half of the group, maybe hasn't had the best GMs, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that they've been amazed by the most is that I will let them talk themselves out of situations or into situations. Mm-hmm. If they want to say words 
and they want to role play and they want to talk, it's either going to get you out of a situation, out of a bad situation or into a worse one. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, perfect example of this. They were portal hopping, just jumping around different locations. And they botched a portal roll and ended up in a city vault. Okay. They're in a city vault where all of the money is. Immediately alarms go off. Immediately guards are swarming. You know, it's a, it's a bad situation. Guards are trying to say that they're robbing the vault. They're trying to say that they're not. And I let my charismatic players do what they do best. And that's talk. And I also let my my rogue do what he does best, which is obfuscate and steal and rob and do what he needs to do to try and make the situation better. So they're like, oh, uh, we don't want to fight all these city guards. Um, and they're like surrendering, but they're still talking the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. They're still saying things like we didn't we didn't mean to. It was an accident. We didn't mean to portal hop into here. This is like we didn't want to go here. We wanted to go somewhere else. Blah, 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 blah. And one thing that happens is that if you say the same thing over and over again, people start to believe it. Mm-hmm. And they kept insisting and insisting and insisting. So I kept playing the guards as like, well, we under- we we maybe don't understand what happened, but. You know, we can work with you guys and, you know, you haven't stolen anything. And then my charismatic rogue, who has been doing sleight of hand checks behind the scenes the entire time and has been lining the one guard's pockets with gold, goes, (laughs) well, we didn't take anything. Why are you saying we took stuff? And I'm like, I see what you're doing. So in my brain, I'm going, "Okay, how would they react logically? Logically, they're going to protest a little bit. The guards are going to be like, no, there's stuff missing here. There's clearly drawers open. And then I go, well, clearly there's drawers open. And my rogue goes, I use my invisible mage hand to move gold out of one of the open drawers and into the pocket of this one guard. Okay, so we're blatantly moving like... From that perspective, okay, it's invisible, so you're not going to see the hand itself, but you see the gold levitate up out of the box and over and into this guard's pocket. And immediately, the other guards are like, maybe they're not lying because we just watched that happen. This third guy is going, well, I didn't didn't do that. I didn't do that. And they're like, why are you lining your pockets? What is going on here? Immediately, the conversation turns from you guys are breaking into this vault and are thieves to we have a thief in our midst. We have bigger problems than people that just appeared in the vault. <laughs> you got a real Ghostbuster situation going there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they managed to between between shenanigans and talking themselves out of it to get into a situation where they're actually they were actually favored by the town's guard because the town's guard thought them commendable because they were able to root out the corruption in the city. It's a whole thing, right? Like because I just I followed the logic. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people a lot of times especially in D&D and combat heavy games, we get this in our head that well, I have this combat set up here. Okay, mm-hmm. well you have an encounter you have a, 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 what's it called in, in Genesis? An encounter. Is it an encounter? Yeah. 
structured encounter, if you will. Yeah. Which is referred to when you go into initiative. Right. There's also the, the narrative encounters that you have in Genesis as well. Yeah, so encounter guess, encounter is just yeah, kind of I a guess encounter term. is the is the term. So you have an encounter. You have a situation where you're encountering what could be potentially a fight, or it could be potentially not. Mm-hmm. You have to you not that you have to, and I I don't say you have to do anything. If your players like to that every time they run into somebody, they got to fight their way out of it. That's fine, you know. Whatever you got that kind of group, go for it. But if your players are are trying to play savvy and trying to be coy and trying to do things like tricky ways, not doing, not treating the encounter, every encounter like it has to end in bloodshed is maybe not a terrible idea and will actually give you more legs, more longevity and more staying power with your players. It, it gives a standout moment in a, what is effectively a bleak situation, right? Mm-hmm. I think, too, to tie into some of what you were saying there, right? I hope any of that made sense. I started a new job, and I am completely brain fried. <laughs> no, no. Um, it did. I think kind of, it does a couple of things, right? If you do that, okay, here's where I was going. My brain is back to on track now. So think about, think back to a lot of the stuff you remember about games you've played in the past Mm. do you remember having a fight with whatever or do you remember just a couple spectacular moments from a few fights but you remember the crazy shenanigans the time you talked your way out of you 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 accidentally portal hop into the city's vault and talk your way out of it which which things do you actually remember more yeah, you you're gonna remember the the moments that are off the wall, and I don't want to say memorable because it's sort of redundant to say that, but off the wall and uh, less usual. unique, less than usual. Yeah, that maybe is the term. Uh, Eddie Webb talked about how did he describe Pugmire? Is the D and D everyone remembers? Yes. That is, you should be running more sessions with that concept. <laughs> uh, yes, in, in in a way, right? I think in his context, he was talking about it in terms of rules, right? But you you can't run every session as though it's going to be a super memorable session. It's not. I'm sorry, uh, and unless you're playing like a really short, you know, two three session thing, every session of every game is not going to be perfectly memorable right because there's gonna be lulls there's gonna be slow moments there's gonna be moments that you just genuinely you as a person could care less i i I do it i have these moments where even as a gm like i'm sitting there running something and i'm like man i don't give a crap right like i don't (laughs) care i'm i'm sorry guys i get you're super invested in this but for me this isn't the storyline that i wanted to tell but if my players are invested in it, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I don't care about this. I'm going to play along and I'm going to enjoy, you know, I'm going to make sure they're having a good time. And I get we've had the conversation of the GM as a player, too. That's fine. But it's more so like, in my mind, the GM is a player, too. And you can still have fun, even though you may not enjoy this part of the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer in make your own fun. That's that's it, right? Like. And I think we, 
and, and I know as a player, I fall into this, right? I'll, I'll think, oh, it's bad guys. It's combat time. <laughs> well, yes, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I think in a way, that's a lot of what Guy was saying in that video about the undead is don't just take the tropes and constantly use them. Yeah, no, I could see that. I could agree with that. It's just, yeah, not thinking about bad guys as combat time is is quite interesting. I think, okay, so again, to talk a little bit about D&D, some of the most memorable moments of the Curse of Strahd campaign, not to spoil anything, are not the moments where you're fighting something or fighting Strahd. It's when he's being weird and vampiric in his castle, right? He's mm-hmm. being a weird goober. And that's <laughs> what we remember about Strahd is that Strahd is a weird goober. And, and the fact of the matter is, is he's a, a great villain as a weird goober. <laughs> I, I want a movie adaptation of Curse of Strahd with Nick Cage as Strahd Von Zarovich. Oh, they already made it. They already made it. It's called Renfield. It's actually kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> Redfield has legitimately some of the best gore effects I've seen in a movie in a long time, if that makes any sense. Except my only major complaint is a lot of the times characters don't end up with stuff on them, mm-hmm. right? Like there's these really, not to tangent, but I don't care. There's these really graphic, gory scenes of people being like, there's a guy that gets his arms ripped off and another character uses those arms to beat another character with them. Right? Like (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. a very graphic and gory scene. However, the character that's using the arms should absolutely have some kind of blood on them. (laughs) But absolutely. But no, if, if you want to really, and this is out to the audience, if you want a really entertaining, fun evening movie that is, kind of horror but kind of not that is absolutely in love with vampire media and old school vampire media we're talking like it's absolutely in love with the bella bella lugosi dracula right Mm -hmm. watch renfield because they re they they reshot some scenes shot for shot with nicholas cage that are just it's just so good it's so stupid it's so goofy it's it's great I wouldn't say great. It's a it's a really fun time. It's probably like a six out of ten movie, mm-hmm. but it's a really entertaining six out of ten. Right? Well, you're right. It doesn't have to be good to be enjoyable. No, no. Uh, some of our favorite, some of my favorite things are are not good by any stretch, but they sure are enjoyable. I love the hell out of Demolition Man. That movie is not good. Oh, precisely. <laughs> That movie is not good, but I love it because it's this absolutely bonkers take on what the future would be. Even before they get to the future, that movie is about a guy that gets in trouble because a building was blown up and they blamed him for it. He's a Mm -hmm. cop investigating a a known criminal. And Mm -hmm. the reason he gets put on, on in cryogenically frozen is because the building he was in, the known criminal had rigged to explode, and Sylvester Stallone character was known as the Demolition Man because everything he touches explodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were just like, this is the last one. There was a whole busload of children in there. And Stallone's <laughs> like, the children were already dead, I'm telling you. And they're like, we don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, but right, but that's again, that's so to speak, taking something like right. That's that's playing on that 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 trope thing. Even the plot of the movie, they're like you're talking about how they're playing on his reputation. That's not what happened. So, like to me, it, it's it's a, it's. A, I think what I try to get across a lot of time on the show here is not specific ideas, but concepts, because that's how my brain works, right? I don't. Well, and, like, and concepts are more useful, right? Like if I tell you, if I tell you specific examples and then make you draw context out of it, you're going to draw different context than maybe what I was implying. Mm-hmm. Just a fact. If if I tell you, you know. If I tell you a story about my D&D campaign and the moral of the story was uh, don't poke uh, black pudding, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be like, you're not going to necessarily walk away with that. You're going to walk away going, wow, Steve had a really wild fight with a black pudding and a bunch of blah, 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 blah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you may not get, and and we try to talk in sort of vague terms because a lot of things you learn in one game can be applied universally across to others, right? Absolutely. Ton, a ton about playing better role-playing games, playing what I say is an objectively terrible role-playing game, right? (laughs) Like we both think that Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition is not great, right? Like it's, it's, it's not a very good game in my opinion, but I've learned so much about, role-playing, running the game, uh, dealing with players, dealing with characters, dealing with combat, then, then I would like to admit running a game that I think is trash. <laughs> well, but I think, right, that's, that's an important concept in life too, right? Just because you don't, and to what we were just talking about with just because it's enjoyable doesn't mean, or just because it's not good doesn't mean it doesn't have it isn't enjoyable enjoyable right exactly exactly so let's put this into you want to watch you learn about i don't know woodworking right so you start watching videos on youtube and look we all know youtube is a rabbit hole of about any topic you want and there's going to be some people making videos for whatever type of content you want that are extremely good and extremely knowledgeable and we'll show you amazingly better ways to do things. Yes. There will be people making videos that are theoretically instructional that don't know any more than you do, and you know you don't know anything. Right. And and sometimes you just have to learn things by making mistakes. <laughs> right. And I, I know this is probably isn't where you're going. No. Um, but, but that's a valid point, too. Uh, <sighs> And sometimes you have like the 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 more so to the point that I was driving at. Sometimes and a lot of times people are that okay. Sometimes people giving advice, and especially in my situation, I know you're good for this too. If we're giving out advice from something we've screwed up in the past, it's to try and teach or help people not make that same mistake. Mm-hmm. I tripped on this rock that's over here. Hey, by the way, there's a rock over here. Don't trip on it. Right. It's that concept. And and by no means are we perfect. By no means are we better than anybody else. But 
these are the little things, the little tips, the little, you know, this is how to make your adventure hooks work better. This is how to hook players a little bit more. It's the little things that we've picked up all these years. Mm -hmm. And the little things I know for myself that I've picked up all these years that make, make gaming better and can help make you a better game, a better gamer in general, whether it be player, whether it be GM, you know, a lot of our advice is aimed at GMs, but players too can take it and apply it wherever they see fit. Oh yeah. Well, again, right. We're talking about, you know, don't necessarily make your combat encounters combat, but as a player, you have the power to change the direction that's going to. Yeah. You have the agency in the situation. You have the ability to be like, Oh, well, um, well, you know, I, I want to try it and you come up against a bear in the woods and you go, well, I want to try and, and scare it off instead of, Oh, there's a bear. Let me murder late it. <laughs> right. Like, right. It, like, and yeah. I think some of, and, and what guy was talking about was, so to get back sort of to that. Guy was talking about a couple things about undead that just don't make sense to him or or that don't make sense in context. And yes, while I agree with some of it, it's like sometimes things don't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Um, perfect example of this, right? We think of deer as well, I think of deer as delicious, but that's just me. <laughs> a lot of people think of deer as these great majestic creatures right they're mm -hmm. they're beautiful and they do this and they do that what a lot of people don't think about is the fact that there are a significant number of people that lose their life to deer that deer will attack and kill <laughs> mm -hmm. deer are it can be aggressive especially male bucks can be aggressive and most of the, and part of the year they run around with giant knives on their heads exactly giant stabby things how many people, and I know I'm no, I've, I've read at least a handful of stories of people that were in, you know, we'll say a high fence situation, which is like a, like somebody has pet deer has a high fence, so they can't mm -hmm. get out. Somebody in a high fence situation that got cornered by a buck and then gored. Nobody thinks of deer like that because, you know, you don't, it doesn't cross your mind, but that is, it is at the end of the day, a wild animal that, mm -hmm can do erratic things and can do things that don't maybe make sense to us, but made sense to it. Mm -hmm. Oh applying, yeah. Uh, applying that logic to maybe let's say a, a monster, a creature, a, a, apply it to a freaking great old one. <laughs> what, yeah. what does, what does uh, 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 effectively a God do when, cornered by some humans what do you do when cornered by ants <laughs> right right yeah like i think and does that make sense to the ants maybe not <laughs> yeah i mean maybe you're just standing amongst a bunch of cheese crumbs and the ants want the cheese crumbs they don't give a shit that you're there right yeah but you're like why are there ants here Squish. yeah applying applying internal logic to things is something that we've sort of talked about, but never directly. I think it's stupid important to imply some kind of internal logic to almost everything that your players are going to encounter. Mm -hmm. 
if there's no logic behind it, there you're you're either running something that justifies not having logic behind it, or maybe you're not. I don't want to say you're. I don't want to say you're not doing something right, but maybe maybe you need to put up some sort of internal logic behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think too, right? Go ahead. You you want to have some internal logic there. Just because you have it there doesn't mean you have to expressly state it. No, no, you don't have to. You don't have to admit anything. <laughs> and the other thing, as a matter of fact, deny everything. <laughs> and and this goes to like your what look your favorite thing to do. Well, it is now, right? Have yeah, a couple but... things. In, but if your players come up with some wild idea that you think better explains it, run with that. Figure out a way to, to twist that into still being something that your your main antagonist is doing or, you know, something, right? We've talked about in the past, we've talked about uh, even inanimate objects that your players insert into the room. The players at that point are creating some sort of logic for why that room is laid out that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I have a player that goes, is there a chandelier here? They're thinking this room must be nicer than I thought it was because I originally didn't maybe put one in here, but they're thinking that there is one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, say, that's something that, that uh, Ben, who, who GMs our Monday night group currently, is really, really good at. I love how good Ben is at that. I, I love how good he is at going, all right, what's here? Mm-hmm. What's tell me and he goes around the room and he goes tell me one piece about this area mm-hmm. um or, or he'll tell you oh it's a structure like this but what is it yeah or when they sat down and and designed the newest town we entered mm-hmm. and they're like what's the name of this building what how many what what's here you tell me what's here mm-hmm. because and i i understand where he comes from because I could populate it with a bunch of things, but if there's something in particular you're looking for, we're going to end up putting it in there anyways. So you might as well just tell me up front that, oh, I really want there to be uh, an architect's guild here. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's absolutely an architect's guild here. Hey, maybe the city's run by architects. Like, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Like, And and doing it that way, one, because I know I'm guilty of this as a GM, I assume very often that my players are going to see the logic behind something that I see. Yeah, that's not necessarily true. Well, I was going to say, and if you've listened to this show, you probably know that my logic is probably not that typical. So expecting anyone to follow it is probably not the greatest idea. But doing that kind of thing with your players, now you've got logic that they can follow because they're the ones who did it. Right. And so, like, yeah, it's all have some logic somewhere. Yes. You can always twist your logic to be what you need it to be somehow. Okay. It's like the old saying, you can make statistics justify any argument if you really want to. One of the hardest things for people that start into programming is understanding logic. Because logic doesn't always make sense. <laughs> logic is simultaneously two plus two, but also if then else, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's sometimes not the easiest thing for for people to wrap their head around. And so I understand where people struggle. I understand where people have a hard time going. How did you get 
how did we get here from there? Mm -hmm. And, and having an explanation and being like, how did we get, you know, how did we get to, how did we get to Mars from blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, we got to Mars because we got on this spaceship and it didn't happen to take us to the place we wanted to go. So we ended up on Mars, right? Mm -hmm. Or how did Burt Reynolds end up on retro star? Burt Reynolds ended up on retro star because he had a movie coming out in two weeks and needed to do some promotional work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, why is this, why, why, um, just, just crazy, you know, just do a little bit of extra, like taking a little bit extra of thinking about, and it doesn't have to be every little thing. You don't have to think about why a chair is in a bar, but you, you do need to think about why the artifact is there. Mm -hmm. What is the artifact? Why is it in this bar? Why would it, why would it be in this bar? You know, and, and, and putting things places that people don't expect is another thing that helps give a world depth because sometimes things aren't always in the places that you expect them to be. I've lost my keys on a time or two. I've lost my keys in the refrigerator a time or two. Why are my keys in the refrigerator? Well, I walked in the front door and my brain went, man, I need a drink. So I walked over to the fridge. And my ADHD brain was like, ooh, there's a shelf, and set the keys down. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm hmm I lost my phone on top of the refrigerator the other day. I reached mm -hmm. up there, I set my phone down, and grabbed something else off the top of the refrigerator and left it there. Mm-hmm. And 10 minutes later, you're like, where the heck did I leave? I had it. Where is yeah, it? Yeah, and you search everywhere. I did that. I left it on a bathroom counter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I um I drove to a friend's house with my car keys. So modern car pushed start. The mm -hmm. car keys were on the roof of my car. <laughs> you got lucky there. I did. I got hella lucky because I got to my friend's house and he was like, or uh, Autumn was like, wow, the keys are still here. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, sometimes logic doesn't have to make sense. It just has to, it has to have a reason. Yes, I guess that's an even better way to say it. Have a justification for what you're doing. Yes. It doesn't have to make immediate sense. You have plenty of no. time to be able to make it make sense. No, exactly. You, you, can, you can put something somewhere that makes absolutely no sense and then build off of it. Mm -hmm. That is... 90% of like pre-written modules for let's say D and D. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and let's face it at, at some level, most of these games we're playing, you have magic, you have laser guns, you have stupid, insane technology. You have elder gods, none of which makes sense in reality. No, or no. not much anyway. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so you can stretch it, the boundaries a little bit. You could push it all the way to the edge of your conceivable understanding of reality. Okay. There's an episode title. <laughs> if you need to push it further, there are games like riffs or call of Cthulhu or, um, any number of wild games out there that can push it further than that. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm stealing that. <laughs> no, that's fine. But yeah, push it and push it and push it and push it and push it until it doesn't make sense. And then make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think 
And, like, and some, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, one more thing. Sometimes things that seem like they are absolutely bizarre are explained away by mundane things, right? Mm-hmm. I have a barn owl that lives in the woods from my house. Barn owls screech and squeal and squall. They make all kinds of horrible noise mm-hmm. that aren't just barn, aren't just hoots and hollers, right? Mm-hmm. You could write an entire Delta Green campaign about the idea that you heard somebody screaming in the woods. Mm-hmm. Have them chase all the way out to the woods. Have them summon something by accident, mm-hmm. all for it to turn out to be a barn owl. You did that. I'm not going to spoil it. You had us uh, thinking there was something seriously wrong underneath the trailer in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that, Oh, that was just my addition to that. That's not part of the scenario. I know, I know, but I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played your addition to that scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, but, uh, another example of that, I've mentioned it before on the show, I have noticed numerous times at work, right, we use a fair number of, you know, you power, hand drill, impact gun, you know, I have cordless drills here, whatever. I've noticed it happen multiple times at work with different units, and I think I've seen it happen here. You know how most modern cordless drills have a light that comes on when you squeeze the trigger? I have noticed them just sitting there all by themselves on the workbench, and the light will come on for a couple seconds every once in a while. I've seen it happen multiple times, specifically with the Milwaukee's we have at work, but I think I've seen my Makita's do it. The Milwaukee's are really sensitive to uh, EMF. I don't know why, but... But, okay... Think about the fun you could have with that, because literally it just sometimes happens. Like you said, maybe it's EMF. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't. I genuinely don't know what it could be. But, I've seen that happen, and it's it's funny every time it does because you're like, the ghost is here. But you're staking <laughs> out a house somewhere in an RPG game. All of a sudden, you see a faint light in the garage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What about perfectly a, what mundane a- explanation? But that's gonna your players are going to take that and make it mean all kinds of things that it didn't. What about like a, like a brownout? Mm-hmm. The lights go dim and then they get real bright. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It puts everybody on edge. They're like, what's going on? Meanwhile, it's just like a, a we have a, a small storm that has blown some lines and crossed some wires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, it's having, having logic behind what happens is, what in a lot of ways makes or breaks things. But also don't be afraid to do something else with it. If your players come up with a, you know, if your players make something out of it, that it's not maybe sometimes take that and and run with it. I had, I kid you not four sessions in an old AD and D game. I was running where my players were chasing a giant goat through the woods because they thought it was something that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I, put a giant goat in the woods because I had giants farming giant goats and one had gotten loose. It was going <laughs> to be an adventure hook later on, but they wanted to chase giant, this giant goat through the woods because they thought there was some kind of, what, how did they word it? They thought there was some kind of evil mage afoot that was enlarging goats. <laughs> <laughs> it was goofy. It was silly, but it was like, okay, fine. And they fought, a mage. They fought some wizard that was out in the woods trying to wrangle this goat because he had gotten the quest to go get the goat out of the woods and take it back to the giants. 
<laughs> but it's silly, it's goofy, but it makes sense. Every right. bit of that. If they'd have taken five seconds to have a conversation with that mage, he'd have been like, well, you don't understand. I'm doing a job for these giants. Yeah, I'm a mage. On the side, yeah. I'm a goat herder during the week. Yeah, exactly. I, they hired me. I needed money. Any job, any job. <laughs> like You just found out he was basically like the magical equivalent of a handyman. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, maybe too, like, don't be afraid to do that. Like, just like you were saying, look, just think of... And for some reason, you know, think of the number of eccentric people in the world that, you know, like uh, Getty Lee from Rush, right? The bass player, <laughs> keyboard player, vocalist is a massive, massive baseball nut. Yeah. And he's, absolutely you know, why he's insane. a massive baseball nut. <laughs> yeah. So you'll re- probably remember this, even though you're not, you know, quite as old as I am. You know, back at, when cable was the way we all got our TV. Mm-hmm. One of the stations that was on every s- cable provider ever, everywhere, was WGN. Mm-hmm. WGN broadcast the Cubs games. Right. The Cubs, because Wrigley Field didn't have lights for the longest time, always played in the afternoon. Touring rock and roll star. Has free time. Time in the afternoon. Exactly. He ends up watching the Cubs on WGN because they're on no matter what hotel he's in. And, and ends up becoming a massive fan. baseball fan. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. And he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I... You know, when, when you hear it on the surface, you're like, that's kind of odd. But when you hear him explain how it happened, it makes perfect sense. Exactly. Exactly. There's lots of things that I'm into because right place, right time. Like, just, I don't know. Um... But yeah, I, I, I'm running out of steam here. Yeah, no, I think we've, we've sort of kind of kept to kind of this sort of weird apply some logic, but don't make it too concrete has kind of been the whole theme of all of this, I think. Yeah. Get you a bag of quickcrete, add some water, but don't keep that. Don't add enough to make it quite concrete yet. You know, kind of like you said, you know, the, your conceivable concept of reality. Yep. Well, do you want to move into Game of the Week? I think it's time for Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! All right. You got one? Do you want to go I first or would you like I'll me to? I'll go first. All right. I'm going to send it to you. It's All right. across in the green room here. Uh, oops. I accidentally put it in the lounge. Oh, well. Yeah, that's okay. So today has been uh, cold and nasty and and rainy or and mm-hmm. snowy uh but any day that hasn't been today has been sort of nice you know mids mm-hmm. to low low like 60s you know mid 50s uh mm-hmm. leaves have changed you know it's it's that fall time of year so i posted a game that preys on those vibes on those mm-hmm. on that feeling. It's called Hearth and Home. Okay. And it's a it's a game where epic quests take a backseat and heartwarming adventures of halflings returning to their ancestral town come to life. Uh in this enchanting world, the focus shifts from saving kingdoms to celebrating community, friendship, and the joys of coming home. And I've seen a lot of games with this same concept. I mean, there's there's Wander Home. 
There's um, various Wander Home-esque games. I can't draw any off the top of my head other than Wander Home. No, but I, I know what you're talking about. I've heard of them too, but I'm blanking on names at the moment. It's It's this idea of now the adventure has come to a pause or to an end. Let's go home and settle in and relax. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be super important. Um, mm-hmm. and, and having a type of, having a setting, having a game in the pocket that is relaxing is not as high stress, but maybe it's a little bit more based around where you started your adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody starts somewhere. Everybody's got a story about home. Some people don't, and I understand that, but you know, home is, is where you feel comfortable, where you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And getting your players to be like, this is home. This is safe. And getting them comfortable can add a nice complexities to a story. It also gives a great prize from the constant hustle and bustle of an adventure. Mm -hmm. Right. In most adventures, it's this constant, oh, we got to we gotta go here and do this thing and do that thing and do this thing and do that thing. We don't have a lot of, in relative terms, downtime. Right. And going from that to, let's make a pit stop at my house. It's, you know, it's whatever, you know, winter solstice or, or summer, um, was it summer solstice is the end mm-hmm. of the year? Or the end of the summer. You know, it's a summer solstice party. We're going to celebrate the harvest and just... I think it's the equinox is that. Okay. So I, either I'm... Sp- spring, summer... Sp- or, excuse, winter and summer equinoxes. Sp- or wait, what is it? Anyway, I don't know. whatever. We know it, what we're talking about. We can't think go, of words. We're going to go and, and celebrate the harvest. Solstice and equinox. There we go. That's it. That's it. Um but we're going to go celebrate the harvest, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to go have a massive feast because that's what you do to celebrate the harvest. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to see old friends and we're going to see family and we're going to see what became of this town that I left behind however long ago. Mm-hmm. And that's an important, that's an important um, moment in an adventure. Mm-hmm. And and I think games like this are important. And I think this one looks really cute and really nice and has really good winter fall vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know what this brings to mind to me almost immediately? And and I know this this is the opening sequence of Fellowship of the Ring, right up until Frodo oh, disappears. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's the <laughs> it's Gandalf rolling up with fireworks and a pipe, like mm-hmm. yeah, and and visiting with his old friend, and and it's that it's yeah, it's that it's the it's the beginning of of fellowship. It's the the just yeah, you hit it right on the nail on the head there. It's the end of uh the, the end of um Return of the Jedi. It's mm-hmm. it's the party at 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 the end where they're with the Ewoks and they're just chilling and they're just having a a big old bonfire party, mm-hmm. right? It's you know, yeah. Who said your 
I mean, this says haplings. So you do yeah. it with Ewoks. They're who cares? both short and fuzzy. Yeah, who, who cares? Halflings, <laughs> Ewoks. You could do it. You, they don't even have to be short and fuzzy. Yeah, like, like you could no. do Sasquatches. Yeah. Do it with giants. Do it with yetis. Do it with, you know, like it doesn't matter. But there you go. What's a Sasquatch party look like? <laughs> <laughs> I could send you some pictures. <laughs> I think I'll pass. <laughs> um I'm not trying to dog on anybody, but I'm part of a group in this area that hunts for Bigfoot. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes that group is really funny. Oh, I'm sure. And I, I'm not I'm not dogging on anybody. You you can do whatever you want. You believe whatever you want. That's cool. It's just I'm not I'm not sold that Sasquatch is still out there. <laughs> I'm just no. saying. <laughs> but Fair enough. There. Um. I've been wanting to. Uh, I, I I posted a picture of their flyer in our, our group chat with the Australians a while ago. Um, but I've been wanting to build sort of a, a Delta Green campaign around a, a group of Bigfoot hunters that find something that maybe is Bigfoot. Whoa. <laughs> and maybe the party that has to go save them from whatever is Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Hearth and Home sounds really cool. Yeah. So what do you got, Steve? All right. Well, I found one and I'm going to be honest, but, uh, what hit me at first was the art. I just sent you a link and then I read one of the reviews and that kind of, kind of hooked me. So it's a game. Uh, it's, a, I didn't even realize this, even though it's in bold print at the top of the listing, it's a GMless single player game. So essentially a solo game. It's called Lemuria Space Station. And the very first review of it describes it as something that I think would be pretty damn cool. So the 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 one line they give you about the game, the publisher give you on the listing, is you play as a droid hunter tasked with capturing the newly released Avoid Droids, luxury tro- toys gone rogue, and trying to get together enough funds to get off the station. And then they've got about four pages from inside the book to show off kind of the art style and some of the tables and fun stuff, right? Get down to the reviews. First review says it's a superb mini RPG blending the best parts of Firefly and Blade Runner, all delivered with a very 2000 AD comic kind of vibe and style. Yes? Yeah, the the, <laughs> the artwork is is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, like, sketchy, weird artwork. And I like the idea that you're hunting these little toy droids that have turned evil <laughs> mm-hmm. or presumably evil. This is really cool. It'll set you back all of five bucks. I know. It's or maybe on sale. it's on sale now, but it's seven fifty normally, so still it's cheap. Twenty pages, but like, yeah, the, the artwork is really cool. It just you know, it, it looks like a really, really neat concept. Like maybe you even take this and then play with this setting in, you know, scum and villainy to take a game of the week from last week, right? Right, yeah. You know, just because it's written as a solo RPG doesn't mean you have to use the setting only that way. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, that's it's cool, man. That is freaking neat. Yeah. So uh, that's mine. Like I said, it's called Lemuria Space Station. And, you know, like always, yeah. there'll be links to everything down in the doobly-doos down below. Of course. Always links to everything in the show notes. Um, I want to give a shout-out to our patrons 
Again, mm -hmm. we are, um, again, completely paid for by the patrons. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, our hosting was covered again by our patron or our Patreon. We got some new patrons. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you didn't know, we have Patreon. It has currently two levels. Uh, what is it? $2 level and a 6 $5 or $5 level? Yeah, $2 level and a $5 level. Um, at $2, you get access to a Patreon exclusive channel and some emotes. You get a, a tag on the Discord. Um, at the $5 level, you get pre-access to guests when that's possible. Mm -hmm. You also get uh, a little bit of bonus content at, I think, the $5 level, or is mm -hmm. it just the two? Is it a no, it's, it's $5 gets the, the exclusive outtake episodes. Yep, you get ex some exclusive bonus content, and you get to throw some money at some guys that are, are trying our best to give you quality content. <laughs> mm -hmm. we're, um, we're trying, and we think we're doing our best. How good yeah. it is, well, yeah, look, you be Still the judge, you seen. listen to us. <laughs> Um, I, I however, actually put together about half of a new Patreon episode the other night too. Oh, good, good. Um, what I will say as well is, if you can't support us on Patreon, that's fine. That's okay. Understand, life happens. I couldn't <laughs> support me on Patreon right now if I wanted to. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean there aren't there aren't free ways to support us. Keep listening to the podcast. That's a great way to support us. Give us a like, comment, or review. Or, or, um, or, or some stars on, on Apple, if you use Apple, come and join our Discord and join the conversation that's always happening over there. We always mm -hmm. have some kind of wild and crazy, interesting conversation, whether it be somebody posting stuff to buy or somebody posting just topic updates or, or just various, various, very cool things happening. Mm -hmm. well, this um, week, uh, info got passed around about games that were put up as free on drive-thru for the PDF. Yeah. Vazen was free. Um, uh, on the, the drive-through subject too, you know. Again, if if it's one of those things, no, maybe you can't, you know, Patreon. But we do have a affiliate code with drive-through. So link yeah. to that in the show notes. Doesn't cost you anything if you buy. You know, go to the site through that code. You buy something, we get a, a very small percentage of that as credit at drive-through, which we use for game of the week titles a lot of the time, frankly. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's it, it's a kickback for, you know, what what you hear us talk about. We get into, uh, you know, we get to buy and play and hopefully play with you guys. Mm -hmm. so, but with all that being said, if the best you can do is listen to the podcast, you're doing on awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Listen, um, tell your friends. Yeah. You, you got friends that like tabletop RPGs. Great. If you don't have friends that like tabletop RPGs, come join our discord. Maybe you can make a couple. Yep. <laughs> but um I want to thank everyone for listening. Um and we're I want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at me and Steve RPG at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another.
for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. That'll go All on right. the outtakes. Me going, pat, 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 pat. <laughs> kit stuff. I yeah, that's what I'm doing. Do robots. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yeah, I started to summon the same robot again, <laughs> which probably wouldn't work as well. Um, There's just been a whole lot of bitching. <clears throat> I'm already here. I cannot uh, arrive again. I, I, I am now recording myself. <laughs> just an entire episode that's feedback oh that'd be awful <laughs> yeah no kidding oh all right all right so you ready to go yep all right three two and one <laughs>